You are listening to the Biz Rock Podcast with Dr. Vince Bantu and sponsored by the Jude 3 Project. We are so thankful for those who support the mission and vision of the Jude 3 Project to help us produce content such as the Biz Rock Podcast. If you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you could do so by going to jude3project.org and hitting that donate tab. You can either give by mail or give online. Thank you so much to our supporters. We appreciate you and we hope you enjoy today's episode. You cannot be over in Egypt, Ethiopia, Sudan. You can't be in those areas. If we just look at the the, the group of people that are there now, we, you cannot be there and just say, okay, there won't be somebody who God didn't use in a dramatic way to reach his people or to spread the gospel. I think you'll see all shades. I think you'd be hard pressed to see a very pale white person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that group. Again, this is not an issue. This is not an issue in the scriptures at all in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. It's not mm-hmm. at all an issue. It only is an issue today for us because of the racist world we live in. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome uh, to the Bisrot podcast. My name is Vince Bantu, and it is a pleasure to welcome you all back to the Jude 3 Project, where we help to equip the body of Christ to know what we believe and why. And here at the Bisrot podcast, this is a specialized ministry of the Jude 3 Project, where we are focusing on issues pertaining to ancient African Christianity. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are addressing various questions that are very uh, live questions in the black community and in black church uh, relative to ancient African identity. Um, and, and we do this through a mixture of lectures, but also conversations like the one that we are excited to bring to you today. Uh, and today we are going to be discussing the topic of our black people descendants of the biblical Hebrews. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be addressing questions that have become very prominent, especially in various uh, uh, Hebrew or Hebrew Israelite communities uh, in the black community today, not only in the U.S., but around the world. Um, and, uh, and and in order to and, and in having this conversation, this dialogue today, I am extremely blessed and excited to be joined on today by my dear sister and colleague, uh, Dr. Uh, Professor Kanikwia Day. And I, I want to read a quick bio, but then you're going to also hear from Professor Day herself. Uh, and and but let me tell you a little bit about this powerful woman of God. Kanikwia Day is a full-time instructor of Old Testament and Biblical Hebrew at Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary. Shout out my alma mater. Um, and uh, she teaches at the Boston campus, my specific alma mater, amen, uh, and uh, the Latin and Global Ministries Program at South Hamilton campus of Gordon-Conwell Seminary in Massachusetts. She serves on the board for the Society of Gospel Hymenote, amen. Uh, Professor Day has a Bachelor's of Arts in economics from Emmanuel College, a master of social work from Boston University, a master of divinity and a master of theology from Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary. And her doctoral studies have been at the London School of Theology in Northwood, England, and presently at Northwest University in South Africa. Amen, amen. (laughs) Powerful, powerful uh, academic creds brought to the table today. Uh, As an instructor at Gordon Conwell Theological Seminary, she has taught courses in Old Testament survey, Genesis, Exodus, interpreting the Old Testament and New Testament, and the Hebrew language. Mm -hmm. She's a 
taught at the Meacham School of Hymenote, amen, in St. Louis, Missouri, and conducted seminaries for Pine Manor College and University of Vermont Campus Ministries. In addition, Professor Day is a public speaker specializing in the area of Old Testament and sexuality. Mm. She conducted numerous seminars and workshops focusing on Old Testament, sexuality, mental wellness, conflict resolution, and leadership development. Professor Day can be viewed on YouTube or on the Jew3 Project, amen, as one of the guest panelists for the Courageous Conversations Conference. Professor Day is the author of Feminist, Womanist, and Gospelist Interpretations of the Daughters of Zelophehad, Bridging the Gap Amongst Competing Traditions in the multi-authored book, Gospel Hymenal. Professor Day is an ordained minister with the Church of God, Cleveland, Tennessee. She has over 25 years of ministry experience as a teacher, counselor, outreach, formation, minister. Additionally, Professor Day serves as the Director of Ministerial Care and Development at Deliverance Temple Worship Center in Dorchester, Massachusetts. So beloved, uh, I want to uh, ask you to join me in welcoming Professor Day to uh, this conversation today. Uh, and again, uh, thank you, Professor Day, for joining us on today. Yeah, I'm, I'm so excited to be here. Um, hearing that bio, it, all I can say is only God, right? It's only God that strengthens us, that brings us to this point. And uh, yeah. I think what we have to remember in all of our learning as we try to get an understanding is that above all of that is our relationship with God. And so I would say, as we have this discussion, it's not to uh, uh, prompt anybody up, but it's to glorify God. And everything yeah. that we say and do, we wanna look at the scriptures with integrity, but we want to also say, okay, am I glorifying God? And even if people yeah. are mad, if I'm glorifying God, I've done my job. Amen, amen. Well, we wanna make sure he gets all the praise and glory and honor today. Um, and, and so uh, thank you again, Professor Day, for joining us on today. And, and as you all can see, uh, Professor Day is the person to talk to about this particular topic because she is an expert in the Old Testament uh, and in biblical Hebrew. And so with that, uh, Professor Day, if it's all right, I want to just jump on into this conversation because this, this might be, uh, you know, out of all the different topics that we've discussed in this, uh, in this podcast, uh, the Bisrod podcast, this might be maybe one of the the most uh, relevant, at least in terms of prevalence, uh, that, we, that we're dealing with, because we know that, you know, Hebrew Israelism is is massive and it's been around for a long time. You know, I I just taught a class on urban apologetics and I was digging, doing a little bit more digging because I, you know, we, we have different specializations. Like I'm I'm in early church history in Africa. You're in Old Testament. Uh, so, you know, I, I'm not neither one of us is a specialist in kind of more modern history. So I wanted to just learn a little bit. And I was surprised to find out that this movement was started uh, by uh, a former slave uh, and an army veteran named William Crowdy uh, in Virginia in the late 1800s. Like I, was like, I had no idea. I just thought this was a new thing because it's beginning so much popularity in recent years. And I feel like growing up, you know, I didn't hear much about it. Right. Uh, like lately, it's just been everywhere. And yeah. so I just kind of assumed it was a new thing, but it's been around over 130 yeah, years. Right? It really it really has. And it's gone through ebbs and flows, right? So mm -hmm. there'll be moments where the movement gets a lot of traction, where you hear a lot more discussion about the Hebrew Israelites because it's actually pushing up against the black church. And then you'll mm. have times when it's not gaining traction, where they just they just seem like a bunch of people out on the street yelling cussing, telling everybody else they're going to go to hell. And the only mm -hmm. people who, who, you know, follow Jesus, well, follow 
um, you know, Messiah the way they understand it, we'll actually have a, a covenant relationship with God and actually make it to eternity. And so it goes through these ebbs and flows as with any sort of cult, as with any sort of tradition. Mm -hmm. But now it gains more traction because we're really dealing with what does it mean to be black? Mm -hmm. you know, what is my blackness? Um, mm -hmm. and how, how am I, how is God looking at me as, as a black person? You know, mm -hmm. we having this discussion if, you know, our, our leaders had done a better job at teaching black people that they are actually in the image of God. This doesn't even mm. question, you know, the, the Bible never talks about, you know, oh, being racist or having an issue with someone else's ethnicity. Mm -hmm. and we, we have to go back to the text and we have to say, okay, we have to find ourselves in the text. We have to say, okay, um, when it says I'm made in the image of God, that means black people matter. Now, mm. when black people matter, now that becomes like an issue. It really mm. not an issue. I have, right. to, I have to say it now because mm -hmm. it wasn't taught and because it wasn't taught, now we have these other cults that are trying to claim like, okay, I'm black and this is what I, this is how I see the scriptures. Mm -hmm. Trust mm -hmm. you've seen them right. I can't trust you. And you white, yeah. and you white, you the devil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. Well, that and you put it right. Like you know, that's why we need to go back to the. T I mean, I agree with everything you said, and and that's uh, you know, but that's exactly right. That we need to go back to the text, as you said. And so, you know, with that, um, you know, I wonder if we could maybe uh, both just from our specializations, kind of think out loud together about the really the the big elephant in the room or the main question of this this episode of the podcast, uh, and that is. Are black people the descendants of biblical Hebrews? That that seems to be, you know, there's a lot of different denominations out there of Hebrew Israelites, you know, and like as you mentioned, some of them are very abrasive and out in the streets, you know, being uh, sometimes very insulting. But there are also many very, uh, you know, um, you know, respectful. I've come across a really positive, actually, uh, doing a lot of positive work that I could, in some ways, agree with and get on board with. In some ways, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and and there's even some people I actually just recently met, uh, you know, somebody who's a Christian rapper who actually, you know, claims to be a Hebrew. But, mm -hmm. but uh, and we're going to get into the different theological things, but but has a more kind of global view of salvation and more of an orthodox view um, of, of, of salvation. Yeah. But actually still believe and, and that, you know, we are that black people are the descendants of the biblical Hebrews. So that seems to be, you know, there's all these different variations, like right. some of them throughout the New Testament. Some of them, they, some of them keep Jesus or the Gospels, but they just throw out Paul, you know, right. and, and, you know, there's all these variations. And then some of them keep the whole New Testament. Like I mentioned, there's a there's a whole denomination of Hebrews that they um, they actually incorporate white people. And so there's a there's a variety of, of Hebrew Israelism. But it seems to me that one of the common beliefs across all the diversity of practices is this fundamental belief that black people are the descendants of the biblical Hebrews. And so I wonder if we could just uh, kind of share our opinions about whether or not that's the case. Um, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it's a, it's a set up kind of question, you know, cause when I hear things like that, black people are are there. You can't say that we're not there, we're, we're there. Um, I think we sort of look at the text, you know, people are looking at their modern context and saying, okay, um, black people, this is where we all come from. And we're, we've always been in the world at all points. Um, and so I guess I would go back to looking at, you know, when the people come out of uh, Exodus, the scriptures say they come out with a mixed multitude. And so that cannot be 
even if say you don't believe, say you don't believe there's any black people in the Israel with the Israelite tribe, none at all. Well, when they come out of Egypt, you have to admit they come out mixed. They come out with other nations engrafted in them. You have, you know, the Egyptians, you have people from mm -hmm. Ethiopia, you have probably, probably hired mercenaries that have decided I'm going to stick around with the Israelite group because I saw all these plagues and this mm -hmm. is the true God and I'm going to march out here. And so even if you didn't believe, say, I don't believe there's any um, um, black people connected to Israel at all. When they come out of Egypt, you have to uh, you have to agree that they come out mixed. You mm -hmm. look at Moses's wife; she's a Cushite. She is definitely black. You look at Joseph's wife; she mm -hmm. is African. That gives us Manasseh. You know that, mm -hmm. that that gives us Ephraim. That gives us these these other groups. You cannot um, wash away blackness; it's there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and so maybe it did not matter to the people when they came out who was black and who was white. The issue with Miriam and 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 um, getting upset that Moses married a Cushite woman wasn't that she was black. We don't teach that really correctly. The issue is that she's other. She's mm -hmm. not part of them. So that because black people are there. So it can't mm -hmm. be because she's black. It has to be because she is other. She doesn't quite fit the mold. And Moses is like, I'm marrying this woman. <laughs> so, you know, and obviously she must convert. Um, but nevertheless, I, I, I do see black people as part of the original Hebrews. Um, but I also see them just always in existence, not just showing up through the uh, Israelite tribe. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. No, I, I, I agree with you 100 percent. I mean, there's so many, you know, I think that Cush is one of the most frequently mentioned, maybe second only to Israel nations in the Old Testament. And it comes up, like you said, I mean, you mentioned Moses' wife and there's also Eben Melech, you know, who is the Cushite imperial official that helped uh, Jeremiah. And there's all kinds of examples of, of Cushites, you know. And so I think, I think you're exactly right that, um, and I would hope that <laughs> nobody is arguing that, um, that, that there were no black people uh, or like, uh, either people who were, you know, maybe predominantly of sub-Saharan African ancestry uh, in Israel among the Israelites, or as you mentioned, people who were perhaps of a of a mixed ancestry of, you know, Near Eastern and and sub-Saharan African, uh, uh, you know, extraction. Uh, I would hope that we all can read the Bible plainly enough to acknowledge that point that there were certainly black people or people of sub-Saharan African descent, uh, you know, among among the Hebrews. But the question that I think we really need to get to, though, is is the claim that's being made by the Hebrews, which is they're saying that that black people, every black person in America or in, in the Americas or Europe or on the continent, that that black people are the descendants of the Hebrews. Uh, and then that and then on the flip side, that the white people are the Gentiles or the Edomites. Right. And so that's I, I would love your thoughts on that. And, you know, that particular claim. I think it, it simply cannot be true. I mean, there are other groups, there are other nations that are around besides the Israelites. And so are you saying that there are no black people, there's, there, there's no black people in that group? I, I just think it's a false narrative. Just look at how the, the world is set up. Look at Africa, look at the continent of Asia. Just look at the different continents that we have. It's just not possible for, for someone to assume just geographically, just looking at how we are all set up, 
It's not possible to assume that all the black people come from this one area and that one area alone. Otherwise, if that's true, what then then how do how are we finding ourselves witnessing to other black people? Who I mean, why? So all black people are saved, and are we? If we're saved, if if the if our relationship with God is based on some physical attribute, what a shame! Because we're so flawed as people. Everybody's flawed, and so mm -hmm. if it's about a color thing, we're in a lot of mess. Even if the color thing benefits me. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. It just can't be. It can't be so. Just, if you just look at how the world is set up, but I do think they they want to promote an agenda um, because it suits them um, sitting in a place of superiority because of the oppression that has been experienced in different parts of the world, not just in America, but all other parts of the world where you have oppression. Mm -hmm. People rise up out of oppression. They create their own theology. They create their own idea of who God is, so they can feel a level of importance. Mm. And that's you're so right, because that's, you know, we're we're covering a, a, a wide array of, you know, uh, different ideologies and claims um, and religions in the black community, uh, you know, committed the committed community or conscious community, uh, you know, black Muslims and, um, you know, uh, people who practice African indigenous spirituality and all different kinds of religions that that really have very little in common with each other and disagree with each other uh, on on different theological claims. But the one thing that that we find in common with lots of different uh, religious communities, new religious movements in the black community is exactly what you just said, that that seems to be the common thread is a, is looking for a sense of identity as black and as people of African descent that, and, and I, I couldn't agree with you more about the comment you made earlier that this really points to ways in which the black church really, that we need to do better, uh, mm -hmm. really speaking to black dignity and to to African spirituality in its in, in, in positive ways and in biblical ways, of right. course, but to really help people in our community to, to know that they can follow Jesus as he made them as Africans, uh, because this was the, this was the point of almost the entire New Testament, that as Gentiles were being brought in, uh, right. they didn't have to conform to Judaism, but they could continue to be as they were. And that includes black people. Um, right. and there has been so much negative history of, and even still, uh, in, of course, in the white dominant culture, but even in the black church, there's often like a, a negation of African identity and blackness. Uh, or an, ap an apathy to it. And we just, I think that's what's pushing a lot of people into these. And as you said, that's a lot of the common strand. I, you know, I, I really do think, I, it's kind of radical, but we should really thank God for them. Because if if they didn't come around and challenge us to, us as black people, to really say, okay, we're, who are we as black people in the scriptures? Who 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 are we as a, as a culture? Who are we as a community? Are, are we real? Do we really feel that we are in the Bible? Um, if they didn't challenge us to do this work, the world that we live in, Lisa and here in the United States, would not have pushed us to do it. It would not. Mm -hmm. it would not have. It would have said you. You should feel uh, comfortable being. You know, your identity is as uh, a slave. I, I remember really struggling with this idea because my my family, we are direct descendants from a uh, slave. My great, great, great grandfather, Isaac Garner, sold to the Garner family in South Carolina. And every year I talk to the children, I usually try every year, about our history. And then one of my colleagues says, you don't have to start their history there. You don't have to, you can bring it back to Africa. 
because that's mm -hmm. their history. You don't have to, your history is, yes, our identity here in America has been shaped by our uh, slavery and this oppression, but our identity in Christ it goes further back, further back from Africa. It goes further back. And we need to uh, start to really identify with who God has called us to be separate mm -hmm. from what this world system is saying. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And, and again, like you said, though, that there's a reaction because that's what that's what how the body of Christ needs to be presenting it. But, you know, some of our failures have contributed to some of these religious communities that are going to the other extreme and kind of like making an idol of blackness or, or you know, as, as as putting us as the center. And again, coming back to Hebrew Israelites, that's that's one of their core claims. So I wonder if we could also, you know, again, especially from your Old Testament expertise, if we could uh, maybe address another question that's similar, but also at the heart of a lot of the Hebrew Israelite movement. Uh, and that is what color were the biblical Hebrews? Like what, you know, what, what, what was their skin color? What would they have looked like? How would we have, you know, in the modern way of, of classifying race, if, 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 if you took, you know, the, the, if you took the Exodus uh, group or if you took a collection of people in during King David's time and you brought them to the United States in 21st century, how would people look at them and see them racially? I would say they would not look European. They would mm -hmm. not. They would not look as white as we uh, we make them out to be. They would not look like the the white Jesus hanging on most and, and all the different you know pictures that we grew up in. You know, in our art, the art that we have. They, they definitely. You, you, you're saying, you, you, Professor Day, you're saying that the Hebrews didn't leave Egypt and pass through Norway and and, and Germany. You, uh, okay, <laughs> let's let's just think about this in a very practical way. When it's summer. I turn a little bit browner. I, mm -hmm. just, I just normally get browner mm -hmm. it's summer. And when it's winter, I get a little bit lighter, but I still stay black, but I, my, my shade will, will go back and forth. So mm -hmm. let's take a group of people who've been in, I don't know, a, a place where it's dry and it's hot for, I don't know, hundreds and hundreds of years. And I'm just going to suppose that they may have a slight tan mm -hmm. wherever they go. And so it's the reason why we don't want to talk about this is because uh, we feel that we start to talk about race, we start to talk about color, and we start to say that Jesus and the Hebrew is, and, and we talk about the Jews of the, um, the Old Testament, they look just like black people. Oh, that messes up everybody. Mm. What do you mean? So when God created, uh, Adam and Eve, his idea was that there'd be some roundness that that causes a problem. Mm, yeah. So, so yeah, I, and I agree with you, you know, certainly they would not have looked European. So what, yeah, what would they have looked like? What, what would you say, you know, and, and were they, you know, would they have looked black? Would they have, you know, would they have looked like predominantly sub-Saharan Africans or would they have looked Middle Eastern or what? Yeah. What, what would you say? Yeah, I, I would, because I get this question every once in a while from my black students, not from my white students. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, but I, I would think they would have uh, definitely more of a Middle Eastern, more of a brownish look to them. I do not think, um, I and I don't and I don't discredit that they would be dark, dark black, uh, just mm -hmm. because of the area uh, that they're in. Um, you cannot be over in Egypt, Ethiopia, Sudan. You can't be in those areas if we just look at the 
the, the group of people that are there now, we, you cannot be there and just say, okay, there won't be somebody who God didn't use in a dramatic way to reach um, his people or to spread the gospel or to who was um, part of the original Israelites, who is deep, deep black. Um, I think you'll see all shades. I, I think you'd be hard pressed to see a very pale white person mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. in that group. Again, this is not an issue. This is not an issue in the scriptures at all in the Old mm-hmm. Testament. It's not mm-hmm. at all an issue. It only is an issue today for us because of the racist world we live in. And mm-hmm. we have to go back in and reclaim the scriptures and say, see, I'm, my blackness was always considered just, I'm, I'm human. It wasn't, mm-hmm. I'm part of the shades of God's mm-hmm. creation. That's it. Mm-hmm. It ain't mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's no, I agree with you. You know, I, I'd be curious to, to know just for especially for the listeners, like what would be some um, some evidence or some some text or, or inscriptions or something that that would that you could point to that might even uh, help to underscore? Because that's obviously, you know, uh, I would agree with you, first of all, um, that that the majority of, of Hebrew people, uh, even though, yes, there would have been, you know, some people who were of, of sub-Saharan African ancestry, who what we would call black. Uh, and there was also a lot of people who were a mixture of African and Near Eastern. Uh, but when we talk about the Near East, where the Hebrews were situated um, in, you know, in Canaan land, that was not an area where people who live in there were predominantly what we would call black or sub-Saharan African. But they were also, as you said, certainly not white, certainly not European, uh, but they had more of a Middle East. I would agree with that. Uh, and I'd be just curious, any Old Testament uh, or n- ancient Near Eastern, like kind of just any any in, anything that you could point to that would like lead you to that conclusion. And I'll, I'll just want to add, you know, from my standpoint of like kind of more late antique and medieval history, just to agree with what you're saying. I mean, you have um, you, you. I mean, first of all, in the in the New Testament, uh, Philip, he meets a a black eunuch and he noted and he calls the, he calls him black. Now, we, we need to understand that the word Ethiopios in Greek does not mean Ethiopian in the way that we mean it. Like when we say Ethiopian, we mean like a certain country or a certain culture in East Africa. But that was not what Ethiopios meant in in, in Luke's time in the first century. When he used the word Ethiopios, if you went to actual Ethiopia, which was at that time called Axum, and you said, hey, uh, I'm in Ethiopia, they'd be like, no, you're in Axum. <laughs> like Ethiopios literally, in, it's, a, it's a Greek word, first of all. It's not an African word. It's not an African concept. It's a Greek concept. And it just means black person. It means burnt faced one. It means one whose face has been scorched by the sun. So, and actually that eunuch was Nubian. He wasn't even Ethiopian. He was from Nubia. He was from Kush because he said he was a eunuch of Candace. So when Luke, who's a Hebrew, who's from Israel, who's from, you know, from the Near East is noticing and he is identifying the eunuch by his race, by his skin color as, as something that is distinct from Philip's. He's saying he's black in the sense that, that Philip isn't or that the most of the Hebrews are, are not in that, in that way. And so, and that, that just keeps going on. I mean, I don't want to keep going, but like a couple other pieces of evidence that would, you know, from my time period that I work with is you also, you also have, um, you know, so many uh, different like examples of Jewish people uh, in, you know, uh, that are coming into Egypt and also into going even into the Sudan. And in and, and the same kind of way, there's a distinction that's made between the Jewish and Christian folks in Egypt and other you know parts of the Near East, 
and those that are in sub-Saharan Africa. And a famous example of that is Moses the Black. Moses the Black was an Egyptian Christian uh, monk who lived in Egypt, and he's black because he was black and he was from Nubia. But he is he is racialized from uh, you know kind of in a way that is separate from most of the other Egyptian Christian monks who are Egyptian, so they're certainly not white. They're they're African, but they're of a different. They're not of a sub-Saharan African racial background. They're Egyptian, so they're brown, and they're kind of more from a Middle Eastern uh, or you know kind of from a North African or what's often erroneously called Berber uh, kind of racial background, which is distinct. And that goes back to even for, I mean, I'm, I'm getting into your time period. And I wanna, I'd like to hear your thoughts, but even going back into ancient Near Eastern times, the, the Book of Gates in Egypt made a clear racial distinction between Egyptians and Near Eastern people, but then people that they would consider black would have been the Nubians further to the South. So that would just be some some, some evidence from my time period that would support what you're saying, but, but I'd love to hear any of your thoughts on yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think people need to remember that in the ancient Near East, the tribes are nomadic. So people are in on the move. So you're going to have an interaction with different tribes and interaction with different groups. And so as you watch the Israelites sort of move through their land, move to their promised land, they're going to interact with all these different regions of people. They're, they And some of them actually get included. So you have Ruth the Moabite who gets included. You have all these different, you, you even have, this is going to go a little bit further up, but you have in the Song of Songs. And what? how does the woman talk about herself? She talks about herself as black. She uses the word black to talk about her skin. And she says, I'm beautiful, right? So she talks about mm. it's an interesting book because most of the story is about the woman talking uh, about being, you know, having this very intimate relationship. You know, it's she does most of the talking about being intimate with her lover. And so you have these, these pieces where people are moving or the text shows us that black people are there, but also the region, it's not a stagnant region. You can't have, you can't be in Egypt and not be impacted by Libya, not be impacted by Ethiopia, not be impacted by uh, uh, the Sudan. You cannot be in that area. And as you're sort of moving through the lands and incorporating, you have trade that's going on. So you have trade with the Kushites. You have um, you have the Kenites who get into the, the tribe of, um, a Judah, Caleb is a is a Kenite. So you have all these different ethnic groups that are merging inside uh, with the with the Israelites. It's just impossible to conclude that it's not a multi ethnic looking type of tribe. It would be a mistake. It, it's not something we would do. You can't you can't say okay, I'm going to go um, down south. And I'm not. I'm not going to see any black people. Well, you go down south in 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 the United States, you're going to see black people. You're going to see white people. You're going to see all these different types of people. It's just the region that you're in. You go to certain parts of the world, you'll see more Hispanics. You go to certain parts of the world, you see more Italians. And so, as you have them moving through the land, they will encounter different people who will become incorporated a part of Israel. You have, I think, the tribe of Judah is like one of the most uh, ethnic diverse tribes you're going to find. You have Moabites in there. You have people who, who just should, you have Ruth, not just Ruth, but you have, uh, what's your name? Uh, Rahab gets in there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You, you have other groups with other shades who are recognized as full Israelites. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, and that's just, so I would say for people who are looking at this and really wonder how does it happen? How do I, because they're not going to say, okay, um, you're not going to have this big announcement all the time. Hey, I'm black. Or, hey, I'm brown. You're mm -hmm. not going to have that. But you can look at the region and with some 
fear, just, just, just look, picking up a book, you know, just looking at the history of the region, looking at artifacts. If you look at Egyptian artwork, if you, if you look at just the ancient Eastern artwork, you will notice that the people have different shades. That is not, um, that's not because they were just trying to be artistic. They're showing you the people who live in the land. Mm -hmm. So that's that's how, how how I would yeah. approach it because I think we want to say the, the the issue is that we want to find ourselves in the text. So we want to say, okay, Professor Day, show me where it said. How do you know this person is black? Because if you know this person is black, then you know there must be some proof. Like, how do you know Moses is is black? How do you know Moses is brown? How do you deduce that? Um, for the, for the people being in the land for a considerable amount of time, um, he does look different. He's noticeably different when he's um, when he's seen as a child. He's noticeably different. But as with any community, the more you have the integration of different cultures, the more you see things change. That's right, and that I love what you're saying because it really connects with the. I mean, you're you know you're saying that in the Old Testament already there's a it's a multiracial uh, diverse, you know, com, you know, diverse complexion community of the people of God that is Israel. So we wouldn't have looked at them and seen a, a group of entirely people who look like what we would call black, um, but they also would not have entirely been what we would call brown or Middle Eastern. But it was actually a, a, a range of complexions and a and a diverse, you know, community. And it sounds a lot like what we see fulfilled in Jesus. Uh, and then when Jesus ascends and the Holy Spirit uh, falls at Pentecost and fills the believers, similarly, there's a multiracial, multi-ethnic and multilingual community that is the beginning of the church that you see already Jews who had been dispersed throughout the world through migration and warfare and all these different, you know, per Persian Jews and, uh, and African Jews from Egypt and Libya, European Jews from Rome and Greece and, and everywhere in between, Asia Minor. Uh, and they were all and we even know that there were Jews in India, uh, you know, that they were already. That's why the, the church grew in India no later. Uh, I mean, they believe the Apostle Thomas came there. It might have. But certainly no later than the 200s. Christians mm -hmm. are attested at being in India. And, the, and that spread through Jewish roots and same thing in Ethiopia, the Falashas and in Nubia. And so there's this multiracial vision of God in the Old and New Testaments. And that really, I think, brings us to another important question that, that we can I just add, add one more piece here, though, Vince? You know, one of the things that happens as well, you know, the Israelites, the issue about them is being in covenant with, with the Lord, being in covenant with Yahweh, and not the race issue. And and I like to think, you know, when I think of other groups like Dominicans and Puerto Ricans, you, you know, you, you sort of, and, and even Black people, African-Americans, and you have the situation where race becomes an issue even amongst our own race, where dark is looked at one way, light is looked at one way. And if we really get back to how the text looked at it, all the shades, they're beautiful in God's eyes. The issue that's the problem is sin. That's the issue is sin, whether you black, light skin, black, dark skin, the issue is sin. Mm hmm. That's right. That's right. So I think, you know, um, this really brings us to another question that that we need to address. Um, you know, again, when you were talking about inclusion in the people group of God and, and how, again, it's a multicultural, multi-ethnic uh, people group. Uh, another another claim, another kind of common, not all, but but many uh, Hebrew Israelite 
communities will claim that just as black people are in their minds, you know, the descendants of the Hebrews, um, in the same way that you know white people are the Gentiles or are the Edomites, and and uh, and you know also you'll get kind of a now you know you can even point to clear uh, verses in the New and even in the Old Testament that talk about Gentiles being included. So even if you know okay even if white people are Gentiles, which I think we can also say you can't make that claim. Just like you can't say all black people are Hebrews, you can't say all that. It's improvable to say that all white people are are Gentiles or descendants of the Edomites. But you know. Uh, even regardless of of who is what, there's there there is obvious inclusion of the Gentiles. There's a vision of them included into the covenant people of God. So many Hebrew Israelites will push back on that and say they will redefine what Gentiles means, and they'll say, well, what a Gentile is is not a non-Hebrew, but it's the descendant of Hebrews who were dispersed through the exile in Babylon and Assyria. So that's how they read any inclusion of Gentiles is that it's all, those are still Hebrews. They were just lost Hebrews from Assyria or the Samaritans or things like that. That's, but it does not refer to, you know, any and every culture around the world. And so I wonder, yeah, what, what would, how would we respond to that? And also just how would we define biblically? What is a Gentile? Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they really miss it on that one because, you know, after, after the exile, all of Israel is invited back home. The, the, the call is for all Israel to return. Now we know that all Israel does not return um, because the book of um, Esther, which is a great book, but during that time, it's, you know, she could have gone home. Mordecai could have gone home, but you know, the wall probably is not repaired by, by then. The temple is not back up. So, you know, there's, it's not like the safest place to go. So we get it. So some people stay put as to where they are, but the, the call is for them all to return. So I wouldn't classify them as uh, Gentiles, as scattered Jews, those who did not return. The call is for all of Israel. God didn't say some Israel. The call is for all Israel to come back home. Um, and not all do come back. Less than probably 50,000 do come back for various reasons. And so I, I would say the scriptures discredit that whole thing. The call is never for part of the tribe, but the entire, everyone to come. Mm. When it comes to Gentiles, you know, just from, just from a very Old Testament sort of position, it's really just the other group, right? It's just mm -hmm. the other nations, right? And, but the, it's always been, um, Abraham has always been, that's the father figure that people, all the Jews look to, right? All the Christians, um, all the Muslims. And so the the embodiment of of God sort of bringing them all back, Jews and Gentiles, is already there in the beginning. That God wants them all to return. It even talks about it in in the New Testament that God doesn't want any to perish. He wants He wants all to come back to Him. Not all will. And so I don't I don't ascribe to this belief that Gentiles are uh, scattered Jews. Um, Gentiles are just other people. I would say other nations um, who. Uh, have not maybe accepted the covenant with the Lord, but they are welcome into the covenant. How do we know that? We have others who already get in the covenant. And you could call, um, you know, the Moabites weren't even supposed to go into the tabernacle, right? And here you got Ruth who becomes like the great, great, great grandmother of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. so, mm -hmm. I mean, so God always has in mind the inclusion of the other if you accept God, you accept Jesus Christ, you, you're a part of the covenant. You're in. 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. You know, I, I agree with you, Professor Day. I think that's that's right on. And I wonder if there's any, you know, any any evidence in the scriptures or otherwise that that you could just point to 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 illustrate your point. Um, you know, again, especially with this idea of who the Gentiles are. And because I agree with you that, you know, um, there's definitely people who are non-Jews, like non-Hebrews. And what what evidence can we give? Because, again, most most people in the Hebrew Israelite community would push back on what you're saying and say, well, yes, God wants all Jew and Gentile to be included, but when they, they would say that that all are Hebrews, both both Hebrews in the in the homeland and scattered Hebrews throughout the diaspora. So that's that's what the all means, and it doesn't mean all as in all humanity. So what what evidence could we point people to that could help people understand that no, actually, when the Bible is talking about Gentiles, it's not just talking about scattered Hebrews, but it's talking about non-Hebrews. It's talking about people who are not Hebrew at all, and that those people are actually ha- can be included uh, in the covenant people. Yeah, I would I would look at okay if there are there situations where we see in the Bible where God excludes a nation that has trusted in Him, and so I would say you can't find one. You can even look at the Ninevites. So God uh, God sends Jonah to the Ninevites. The Ninevites, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. They are the enemy of Israel. But God sends Jonah to Nineveh to do what? To talk about repentance, to talk about coming to God. Why? If, if, If it's all about the Jews, why does God send Jonah to Nineveh? He sends Jonah to Nineveh because he cares about the others. Why does God meet Hagar when she has been kicked out of the home by Abraham and Sarah? Why does God meet um, Hagar and make her, spares the life of her child? Why does God hear the cry of the child who is clearly not the promised child and speak a blessing basically saying you're going to be able to, you're going to prosper and everything. Okay. You're going to, you're going to, you're going to be an enemy to some people. You're going to be kind of wild out there, but you're going to live and you're going to have many descendants. So, I mean, that, that's just two examples. I'm sure that we can talk about other examples mm-hmm. where God stretches out to people who are not part of his, uh, his the covenant and welcomes them into the covenant. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, he must have them in mind as part mm-hmm. of his covenant. That's right. I, I love those examples you brought up, too, especially because, again, this is more your area. But I, I believe, you know, you mentioned Jonah, you mentioned Abraham and Hagar and Sarah. And earlier you even mentioned the mixed multitude in the Exodus. And and if I'm not mistaken, I believe those texts are are pre-exilic uh, uh, texts that, that happened before Israel is exiled. So this is even before there is any mixing or anything like that. And, and that disproves, I think, a lot of these ideas that um, you know, again, that even before, okay, okay, even if even if we conceded, which we don't, but even if we conceded that Gentiles in the New Testament or in the exilic or post-exilic text refers to a mixed, you know, Jewish uh, diaspora, even if we conceded that, what are you going to do with pre-exilic text that you just mentioned, where already there's still inclusion and mixing, and there was no exile or diaspora, uh, and and yet there is still a bit, as you mentioned, Nineveh. There's a vision for even even just and I'm um, sorry to interrupt you. Even after you you have even in Nebuchadnezzar. So you what does God do with Nebuchadnezzar? Never he causes Nebuchadnezzar who he allows Nebuchadnezzar to to sack 
uh, Jerusalem, right? To take Jerusalem, right? Babylon, he allows them to take them. But when you get to the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is talking about all who, who he is and he like loses, you know, loses his mind, but he comes back to himself and he glorifies God. So what is that all about? What, how is it that you have the king of Babylon who took the people into exile at the end of his days, he is confessing that Yahweh is God. And so um, pre-exile, post-exile, there is room for God reaching out to the Gentiles to bring them in. And those Gentiles are, are clearly not uh, scattered Jews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. That that's I think that's such an important point. And and you know, I, I would I would just comment um from you know again from my expertise in church history, um, that again, you know, uh as you've already demonstrated, Professor Day, that in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew Bible, there's a clear, first of all, it's 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 evident that, you know, yes, there were there were there were Hebrews that were that we would have called black that that or and that that were a mixture of black and Near Eastern, but that most of them would have been Near Eastern, and also that God's salvation was inclusive of the Gentiles, and also that Gentile meant non-Hebrew. Um, and and just to uh, affirm those points, you know, kind of from more of a church history background, if we look at if we understand that the majority of Hebrew literature was written by people who are not. African, who are not sub-Saharan African, um, and that it's coming, even though there were many included. If we go to literature that was written by people who are clearly sub-Saharan African, like in Nubia or Ethiopia, or later, uh, you know, in West and Central Africa, we also see the same truth being verified of what you're teaching, Professor Day, from an ancient Near Eastern context. African, Black African people uh, in, the, in sub-Saharan Africa in the late antique and medieval period they understood Jewish people as a separate, distinct religion that did not encompass all black people. So this proves two things, actually, that, that yes, there were actually not only in the ancient Near Eastern time, but even in late antiquity and in medieval period and even into the modern world, there were and are black sub-Saharan African Jews, uh, most definitely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and medieval evidence points to that. Um, you know, probably some prominent examples would be uh, if you look at Ethiopian literature from the 13 and 1400s, uh, you look at writings of Georgis of Sagla, who's the first sub-Saharan, the first known, earliest known uh, sub-Saharan African author. He wrote a whole systematic theological treatise against Jewish people. And he claimed to be a Christian. But he, and this is before colonialism. This is before uh, any of that kind of stuff. And yet he talks about Jews as if they are a distinct people. Why would a black author who's a Christian critique Jewish people as if they are a separate religion if he understood himself and all black people to be Jewish. So clearly that shows again, two things that Jews were present in Africa, but by no means were all black people considered to be Jewish by black sources. Yeah. And a lot of the arguments that a lot of the Hebrew Israelites use are actually white European sources to make their argument. I'm, I'm, we're, I'm trying to point to black sources like Yorgos of Sagala, who do, are, are we gonna trust our own ancestors? Are we right. gonna trust our own people who are right. saying, we're not all Jewish and Jewish people are those people and, and, and they call themselves the Falasha. And in fact, there was another uh, Ethiopian monk named Yefkarana Egzi who lived in the in the 14th and 15th century. And he actually uh, was a missionary. 
and he engaged the Jewish, what called philosophy He actually had conflict with a, there was a Jewish Ethiopian uh, ex-Christian named Cosimos, who uh, Yafkarana Exi was uh, was uh, debating, and he mm. was to evangelize the Jewish mm. philosophy community, which at that time was outside of Ethiopia, which was a separate community. And he met this, uh, he met this, ex-Christian named Cosmos, who was a Christian, he left Christianity and became a Jew, and he actually translated the Old Testament for mm. the philosophers so they could have it. And so you see this conflict going right. on between, everybody's black, everybody's Ethiopian, but you have Christians and Jews that by no means right. see themselves as part of the same uh, religion, or don't see, and even the Jew, even the people like Cosmos would not have claimed that all black people were Jewish, because again, he was always black, but he went from being a Christian to being a Jew, and so that 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 puts to bed any kind of ideas. And then one last source I would point to is Al Zuri, who was a Syrian uh, historian in the in the eighth uh, century. And he visited and traveled throughout Africa, and he actually also attested to Jewish communities in what would what would later be known as uh, Central or West Africa, but it was in the region of Gao, in the in the empire of the Gao Empire, in the imperial city that a lot of Muslim historians called Kau Kau. And Al Zuri mentioned that there were Jewish communities in Kau Kau, which is that's like modern Niger and 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 uh, Western Chad and even parts of Nigeria. So. We again, we see clear that there were Jews. So, are are African Americans? Are we Jewish? Do we have Jewish ancestry? I think that history shows that some of us may uh, likely have because there were Jews in East some Africa. Do. Some do, some don't. Some do. But it's but it's exactly it's it's a far reach to then say that all you know all of us because again, even going back to ancient and medieval Africa, that black people had no sense in their minds that all of us are Jewish. Uh, and so that's a huge leap uh, to say that. And so, again, I think that just agrees with uh, with what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, uh, how, how do you even get with, you know, how Paul is talking about, you know, OK, you don't have to be Jewish in order to in, in order to have a covenant relationship with Jesus Christ. You, you can you can be Gentile in the sense that you don't have to um, do all these feasts and all these festivals. You don't have to do all that. Why? Because you, you're not Jewish. So, so just except Jesus Christ is Lord. As a matter of fact, none of those things save you. None of those, none of those celebrations save you. None of them can bring you into a, a relationship with Christ that can give you, uh, give you eternal life. And Paul would be the one to know it. He would be, you know, he, he would be the scholar to know, uh, you know, he, he already knows how to keep the law. He already knows um, any, he's, you know, he can do the whole Pharisee thing. He, he is the man. And so if he says you can, receive eternal life, but you don't have to do these things, that lets us know that, okay, there are others clearly going to be black people who can come straight from where they are at to Jesus Christ. You don't have to be Jewish to receive the Jewish Messiah. Mm. Amen. Amen. Well, I think that's actually the perfect note to end us on, uh, you know, that I think that that really uh, just brings it all home. Um, and uh, because, you know, again, that, um, you know, definitely uh, we, you know, as we've described black people uh, in ancient Near East, in late antiquity and medieval period, and even now there we've, we have been present in the Jewish community. Um, and, uh, but also by no means is the entire Jewish community black. Uh, and also by no means are black people uh, entirely Jewish. Right. <laughs> so, and that in history shows that, um, uh, and, uh, but I, I think you really brought it home there is that at the end of the day, it actually really doesn't matter. 
<laughs> uh, because even, even if we are, uh, or to whatever degree some of us have uh, Jewish ancestry, it actually doesn't really matter because as you said, Jesus made it, uh, he opened up the veil and made salvation available to all people, regardless of you know their racial or ethnic uh, background. And, uh, and that's-, that's can, I, can I just say this one thing for our Hebrew Israelite brothers and sisters, uh, how, how do they uh, understand love? Because I want to, I would love to for because they're always putting us on the defense. Explain this, explain that. I would really love to hear for them how do they understand the concept of love and how do they see it? Is their understanding of God, how does their under, understand God and how does that encompass love? And I think that will show, show us a lot about where they stand with things. And you can't have any sort of relationship with God if there isn't a strong foundation of love. Amen. Amen. That's, that's, that's great. That's, I agree. That's, that's a great word. So, uh, professor day, I mean, I wish we could stay here all day cause we, you know, uh, I'm, I'm loving this conversation, but you know, uh, as we bring it to a close, I just wanted to ask, like, is there any, um, you know, any, uh, like kind of ways that you would want to plug just for, people in the audience that they could, things you're working on or things that are upcoming that you want people to know about or ways they can follow and connect with you going forward? Um, I would really uh, appreciate for everyone to really connect with um, our whole Gospel Haymanot uh, program. I really would love, I mean, I'd like to make a strong push. You all know I work at Gordon-Conwell, so that's, we're here. But I really like to put a strong push in for the Meacham Institute. I'd encourage you to, um, go to our conference this year. I would encourage you to uh, send in your donations, support black causes. You know, the money that's in the, in the black community, we, it goes out of the black community so fast. And so we really need to, um, I would I put in plugs for, uh, buy a book that some black author, uh, some Christian theologian has, has written. I would suggest that I, I'm not gonna plug myself. I, I plug my people because if, as they prosper, I'm surely gonna prosper. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, Professor Day. And y'all definitely, uh, you know, be as Professor Day uh, was saying, be sure to check that out. Uh, October 23rd and 24th is going to be our virtual uh, uh, annual meeting. It's the only black theological com academic conference in the country. Uh, and so definitely check it out. It's virtual and you will be able to uh, check out Professor Day. She's one of our plenary speakers. So uh, definitely. And also our first uh, annual journal is coming out, the Hymeno Journal, uh, which is the only, in a similar way, is the only black theological journal uh, in, you know, in the country. And so definitely check that out. She will have an article in that as well. So you'll be able to follow a lot of her work uh, at, at, at our annual meeting and at the, and at the journal. So uh, thank you so much, Professor Day, again, for joining us. Uh, this is a great conversation. Um, and definitely all of y'all continue to check out other of the resources, because there's a lot of resources on the Jew 3 Project, even outside of the Bisrock podcast that address questions that are pertinent to the Hebrew Israelite community. Um, and so, but until uh, next time, we will see you at our next episode of the Bisrock podcast uh, here on the Jew 3 Project. So thank you all so much. And God bless you all. Thank you for listening to the BizRock Podcast with Dr. Vince Bontu, sponsored by the Jew3 Project. Remember to rate and subscribe wherever you stream your favorite podcast. And remember, if you want to help support the mission and vision of the Jew3 Project to help black Christians know what they believe and why, 
through this podcast or other avenues, you could do so by going to jude3project.org and hitting that donate tab to give by mail or to give online. Every gift helps equipped, and we're so thankful for your support and your prayers. We appreciate you. And until next time, grace and peace and God bless.